Sunday. This nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. One day right down in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream. Welcome to the Ambassador Podcast a resource created by a community of Christians seeking to represent God to a watching world in humility, unity, and boldness. Our goal is to educate, be educated, encourage, be encouraged, challenge, and be challenged as we pursue a heavenward perspective of God's heart for racial equity and reconciliation rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Ambassador Podcast, and thank you for joining us for our fifth interview of this season. I'm your host, Jared Cole, and I'm here with my co-host, Tracy Spears. Tracy, what up? Hey, guys. Yeah, Yo, you doing good? I feel great. How are you feeling is the real question, J. Cole. Yo. You might <laughs> yeah, as well go off right now. Yeah, Yo. Yo, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I don't think we talked about this at all. At all. Maybe we once this? or twice. Did we, did we mention? Yeah. That your boy is about to be a father of foe? Gosh. Did we, did we mention that? I don't think just we a little. That. Just a little. <laughs> uh. yeah, your boy, uh, man, in two days, uh, is going to be a father of four. Uh, I think I mentioned before on the podcast, yo, I got, I'm a, a married man. Uh, I have three baby girls. And so we're about to have our fourth child, and we got the baby boy. Gosh. So I am hyped, man. It's been a long nine months, but hey, yeah. it's, it's happening. It's I don't know who's more excited, my wife or I. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I know fair, my that's fair. Is, I know my wife is super excited. <laughs> uh, but yo, yeah, we got that, we got that boy coming. Isaiah True. I love his name so much. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, so yeah, cute. Yeah, yeah. We're excited. He's going to be here. We're going to be up all kinds of night, man, but it's going to be worth it. So, man, so, yeah, if you've made it this far, uh, you've made it to the last interview of our season. Uh, we will have one last debrief episode and then a season finale after that. But then, y'all, this the season is a wrap after that. It's been really fun doing these interviews. And yeah. uh, it's a lot different than season one was, but I've really enjoyed Every single one of these interviews, every single voice that came on here, they really did truly bless us, uh, man. And the ambassador will be made so much better for it. And so we are, we mm-hmm. are truly grateful to all these uh, people who said yes to us. If this is your first time tuning into the ambassador, what you can expect from us is biblically informed, honest dialogue and open conversation. What we aim to do here is create a space where tough conversations are the norm and where we can come together in humility unity and boldness. So without further ado, here we go. I want to jump into our next interview. And on today's episode, we have uh, the Reverend Dr. Micah Edmondson, who is an author, a scholar, a pastor, and just an all-around brilliant mind. Uh, Micah, Tracy and I have been blessed by your ministry Mm -hmm. and contribution to the greater body of Christ. Uh, And I'm super excited to have you here with us today, man. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real blessing and an honor to be here. Man, Micah, I kind of know that you lived in Michigan for a little bit. Now you're in Nashville. 
I just want you to think about taking both Jared and I, if we were to spend like an evening with you someplace, either in uh, Michigan or in Nashville, where would you take us to get food and what we oh have? Oh my goodness. Let's see. Oh, oh wow. Okay. So, um, I think I would take you to Jack's barbecue, which is the oh, spot yeah. here in Nashville mm. where the Tennessee Titans get their barbecue. Come on, come on! Yeah. So you know it's good. So you know they're eating good. Now there are more than one Jacks location. There's there's the original Jacks, which is like a hole in the wall spot with okay. a pig with wings. That's the one you got to go to. Okay. There's like the original Jacks, and then there's like the kind of upscale Jacks. You know, yeah, yeah. That's hit or miss, but the original Jacks, uh, which is on the Trinity Lane exit, right off I sixty five is the spot okay so that's exactly that's definitely where i take you all i mean nashville's not that far from here jared hey, hey. nashville's not that far and you know nashville and you know nashville is known for the barbecue i gotta yeah. come get yeah, you know how those the wall spots are i mean they're either like you know they're either the most amazing thing ever or it's like time yeah. to like check the health the more the more skeptical you are of the place the better the barbecue oh, exactly exactly that's why you got to know the natives because they can tell you know they can that's they can right you how to avoid the dysentery you know they can <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. all right michael we're gonna jump in so tell us a little bit about yourself where you're from and how did you get to know christ and then how did you receive the answer to the call in ministry. Mm. Yeah, so I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I, I born and raised, uh, I'm a, uh, in particularly, actually specifically East Nashville. Uh, mm-hmm. I, um, I went off to college at Hampton University, which is a historically black college in Virginia. Mm. Um, and that's where I met Christina, my, my, uh, my wife. And uh, I actually came to faith my junior year of college. Mm. which was in 2000. And um, up to that point, I would have claimed to have, you know, I kind of, we were those growing up, we were kind of those, you know, Easter, Mother Day, Christmas type folks that would occasion church, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and we were real faithful for those, you know, four times a year. Uh, But we were there, you know, and, but I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the, the, the exposure to the Mm -hmm. gospel that I did get growing up. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a real, you know, strongly praying grandmother, um, who was very much involved with, with the church. And I knew that, um, you know, that I had those roots in our family. And, um, you know, when I came, when I went to, to, to college, I was really struggling with a lot of things internally, you know, mm-hmm. on the ex, on the, on the outside, it looked like I had it all together. I was a physics major. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, had a presidential scholarship, um, you know, so on the outside, I looked like I had sort of things together. Internally, I was broken. I yeah. was um, super insecure. I mean, just uh, selfish. My whole world revolved around myself. And, you mm. know, it's interesting when your whole world revolves around yourself, you realize that you cannot actually shoulder um, the weight of, of of your own life. You know, yeah, you can't. You know, that that weight can actually break you, you know, and, and I, I, I found that, you know, I found myself um, deeply dissatisfied with myself, um, with my inability to uh, to be fulfilled. Um, and uh, and and it was it was in that kind of place of dissatisfaction and 
uh, confusion uh, and frustration um, that I was in a place where the Lord really reached out to me. And he he did it through a gospel revival that was at Newport News, Virginia, uh, uh, in the Hampton Roads area. Mm -hmm. Had a buddy who was a a drummer in a Pentecostal church, and uh, he he invited me to this gospel revival. And uh, even though I wasn't a regular church attender or anything like that, I kind of had enough religious sense to know not to refuse his invitation to come to this revival. And so I went, and that's where the Lord met me and um, changed my life. Um, He turned my life right side up. He Mm -hmm. uh, set me on the trajectory uh, to just continue to follow him. And I knew him as a, as the gracious God who would Mm. save me despite me, you know, Um, the one that gave me identity purpose. um, And that identity and purpose was founded on grace. And I, and I go back to that, you know, um, you know, often, I mean, you know, one thing about the Christian life, is that, you know, we, it does, it's not, it's not, uh, instantaneous perfection. We still That's struggle, right. mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, but, yeah. but we know who has saved us mm-hmm. and we find ourselves returning to him time and time again, uh, just believing on that grace that he, that he, that he gave us from the start, you know? Um, yeah. and I'm so, I'm so grateful that I'm a grace guy. I tell people all the time, I say, look, I preach grace because I need grace because mm-hmm. I need grace. I'm a grace case through and through. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and the same yeah. Jesus that saved me has continued to carry me That's uh, right. throughout Amen. these years. So it's, it's, uh, it's been tw- almost 21 years walking with the Lord. He has been so amazing. He is an amazing Savior. So, and it's a privilege just to serve him mm-hmm. and to say and to, and, to, and to represent him in any way that I can. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that's a little bit about me. I ended up, uh, so I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm a, I'm a I pastor of Presbyterian Church uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cross-cultural church called Koinonia. That's in it's in the uh, Bordeaux neighborhood of Nashville, which is in northwest mm-hmm. Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a historically black uh, neighborhood, about eighty three percent black, um, mm-hmm. and it is it has historically been um, the place where a lot of the faculty and uh, faculty and staff from the local black colleges have have lived, have lived in Bordeaux. So Meharry, Tennessee State University, Fisk, a lot of those faculty members would come to Meharry, a lot of the kind of um, black middle class and upper class, but it has a lot of class diversity in Mm -hmm. Bordeaux. Um, And it's a wonderful, beautiful community. Um, Just, I'm thrilled to, to be there. Um, So, uh, so yeah. 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 That's awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, So Micah, your episode is going to be called uh, Let's Talk About Justice Again, <laughs> because in season one, we had an episode where we talked about this issue, this issue of justice. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to do this again because we think it, it, it definitely warrants a second episode, probably a third and a fourth. Uh, but here we are with the second installment of this, man. And we thought that you would be an extremely invaluable voice on this topic. And so, uh, Man, I know you've thought long and hard about this topic. And so for the first question, I just want to bring us uh, is what makes justice such a difficult topic to discuss in our American Christian society? Mm. Because we we live in a society that was founded on injustice. Mm. Right. Um, the, the very founding of this society um, mm-hmm. came upon 
the occasion of a mass genocide mm-hmm. of wow. the indigenous people who lived here. Yeah. And it was, and the economy was built up on, on the, on the backs of kidnapped people mm-hmm. That's um, right. and, and, and enslaved and tortured people. And so yeah. when you have a founding and an economy and a system set up like that, um, it's going to be very difficult to speak on the issue of injustice mm-hmm. right, in, in any meaningful way. Uh, yeah. So I think that that's really, that's, that's really, um, that's, that's, the, that's part of the heart of it, you know? And, um, and when you, when you have, when you have that kind of situation going on, the society perpetuates, um, you know, uh, institutions and ideologies in order to accommodate that injustice. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and so from the start, we have, uh, we have a Christianity in America that has comfortably coexisted with the institution of chattel slavery mm. for right. centuries. Right. We have yeah. a, a Christianity in America that com- that comfortably coexisted with Jim Crow and mm. the lynching tree and segregation and, uh, you know, uh, mass incarceration and, you know, the various disparities in health care and housing and, and education throughout the, throughout our nation's history. And so we have a we have a Christianity here that says that we are not supposed to talk about that. Yeah, that's good. In fact, if we do and if you do it too much, we're going to call you a heretic. OK, mm-hmm. and we're going to be suspicious of you and we're going to we're going to strip away any tools that you might use to actually fight against racism, right? So, yeah. uh, and I think that's part of the, the, the critical race theory debate right now, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Because we have yeah. a theology that that has erected boundaries. Um, around. It's interesting when a, when a theology points to a, a social science tool that's mm-hmm. not even a theology, you know, like that's a legal right. tool and say, that's, right. that's outside of the boundary. Well, um, when we do that, what we know is that inside the boundary, we must be protecting white racial hegemony, you know? <laughs> yeah. so, Amen. Um, Amen. You know, so I think that that's really the reason. That's the root. Yeah. 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 That's good. I, I think, um, you know, as, as Christians, we, we want to get to the point where uh, we centralize reconciliation Right. And I, I think this this topic of justice and reconciliation go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over the course of these centuries, uh, you know, since chattel slavery in 1619 and even, you know, before that, with the with the mass genocide that you mentioned with the with the natives, mm-hmm. um, there hasn't been uh to my knowledge, a legit understanding and reckoning with the magnitude of what's going on uh in our American Christian church, the complicity in it all, right? The, uh, the mission that was to come over, not just to take America, but to also spread the name of Jesus, right? right. Uh, the mission not to just uh, enslave uh, Africans, but to also spread the name of Jesus, right? We're, 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 we're piecing together these two things that we haven't quite been able to separate uh, in any meaningful way, even now here in 2021, hence the conversations we're starting to have with uh, justice and CRT. Mm-hmm. And so right. when we think about this concept of reconciliation, justice 
is a huge component in that as well. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, that's right. So the wonderful thing about the gospel is that it reveals to us that justice is a requirement for reconciliation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because um uh in because because unjust systems and unjust societies what they want from oppressed people is they want them to shut up about the oppression. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know, uh, so think about this. Think about, uh, think about Psalm 137, right? Psalm 37 talks about um, the, it, 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 it encaptures the, the longings of enslaved people. Okay, these people that have been exiled and they're they're being car- they're being they're being jet- dragged yeah. away in chains off to Babylon, and this yeah. is what they say: they say our captors, our tormentors, required of us songs, mm-hmm. songs of mirth, saying, "Sing us one of the songs of Zion." Right? Yeah. And you think, well, why why would why would the Babylonians require their enslaved people to sing? It's because the Babylonians wanted to feel good about what they were doing hmm. because yeah. they had a conscience too. That's right? Right. They were made That's the right. image of God too. Mm. That's in order right. not to have this cognitive dissonance about what I'm doing to this fellow image bearer, mm-hmm. I've got to make you shut up and I've got to make you act as though this is a good situation. Sing me a song yes. of mirth. Make mm-hmm. me feel good wow. about what I'm doing to you. Don't, don't, wow. don't, I don't have to reckon with the pain of what I'm looking at in your face and in your agony. So, so sing me one of the songs of mirth because, mm-hmm. because I want to, I want to feel peaceful even if you don't. Wow. Wow. And I think oftentimes um, we have that same dynamic. Right? Yeah. Uh, we have, we have, we have, um, we have a peace that really is a false peace because it comes on the backs of oppressed people. It says to oppressed people that real peace will come when you stop talking about it. Yeah. Like yeah. Real, yeah. real peace will come when you stop bringing this up. You know, it's interesting that, um, you know, people in the segregated South mm. called civil rights workers agitators. Mm. That's an interesting time. That's an interesting, you know, epithet for them, agitators. Mm. Yeah. Because they call them agitators because the people in the South thought they had peace. That's right. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. thought they had peace. Like we, we you know, look, it's peaceful down here. We we're fine in the South. We got wow. a peace. Right. And then Dr. King was able to point out the fact that that peace was actually a false peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. it was and it came on the backs of of oppressed people and and and, and you know, on, you know, real peace comes uh, when justice is actually done, because justice, uh, it actually provides accountability and it actually provides safety for all people. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, when you don't pursue justice, then the society is unsafe. Yeah, it's unsafe. Right. Um, it's unsafe for the oppressed people. It's unsafe for, it's unsafe for victims. And, yeah. and, and they're living in mental anguish and torment. Even if they're not out in the streets, even if they're not protesting, they still know that at any moment this thing could come down and mm-hmm. I can find myself, um, you know, exploited. I can find myself um, harmed. And so, um, you know, so that's not that's not real peace. That's just 
um, that's just quiet, you know, but it's not peace. <laughs> it's yeah, not yeah. peace, you know. Um, what yeah. the gospel does yeah. is it comes to uncover that, right? And it actually creates genuine peace by giving yeah. us justice. This is what Jesus pursued at the temple, right? The temple was a system that actually exploited people, it built people for their money, it, yeah. um, it took advantage of people. Um, 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 and um, in first century Judaism, that, that, that temple, uh, whole, that whole temple system, uh, yeah. Jesus described it as a, as a den of thieves. It was a temple, you know, in a den, what a den does is it hides what's going on, right? This is the veneer of religion, but beneath yeah. it, what's actually happening is people are being built, the poor are getting poor, the rich are getting richer, exploitation is happening, and what Jesus does and they think they have peace. You know, they think this system is, this, yeah, is, this, yeah. is, this system is working for us. This is a peaceful situation. And yeah. Jesus comes and he agitates the whole situation. He, he mm-hmm. uncovers it. And he uncovers it in order to create and, and, and in order to restore it to what God had actually called it to be mm-hmm. a house of prayer for all people. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when he, and when he restores it, okay, then he creates the conditions for true peace. Right by actually uh, mm-hmm. overturning the the tables of the money changers and showing, um, you know, actually creating justice, uh, actual just distribution of goods, you know, yeah, uh, good. he he actually creates uh, the conditions for true peace. Yeah, yeah, and and what you're what you're touching on, Micah, is you're you're getting into. Uh, what Jesus actually has to say about justice, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Uh, the turning over the, the, the money changers tables in the temple. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's one. Can you, can you elaborate on that just a little bit or give me any more instances there in the new Testament where yeah, Jesus absolutely. actually addressed oh, my goodness. So the new Testament. Okay. So, so this is really interesting. Uh, so the Lord is very intentional about, the cultures and the languages that he used to express his perfect word. Okay. And he's having to choose a language, the Greek language in the new Testament, you know, old Testament is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. The group, the new Testament is written in Greek. Right. And yep. it's interesting that there is a term for justice in Greek, right? Diakosune. Uh, okay. And that word is the same word that also is translated for righteousness on one hand, but it's the same word that also means justice. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, you know, the question is, you know, when people ask me the question, well, you know, what, what does, where does the Bible talk about justice? Well, let me, let me ask you, where does it talk about righteousness? Well, it talks about all over the place. You see the word righteousness in the, in the new Testament, you could also translate it as justice. Wow. It's the same word. You know, oh my uh, so justice yeah. is all over the place. But if we want to think particularly uh, about some verses that I would point out, because, you know, that's what people want you to do. So what, where, you know, the Bible talks about justification, right? Uh, it's interesting yeah. that it puts it in those terms, justification. But where does it talk about justice? Mm. Well, Jesus talked about himself as coming to, to is, is having come to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Now that's a big that's a that's that's a big mission, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean that's a mission that goes beyond just I came to just make your soul right. Yeah, come on, come when on. Jesus said, I come to destroy the works of the devil, 
Come he's on. talking about injustice. He's talking about yeah. he's talking about all suffering wherever it is, right? Yeah. That, that, that lets us know that wow, this that that's a huge mission. And if we want to join Jesus in this, if we want to represent Him in that mission, we ought to be about destroying the works of the devil. Come right on. now, Come on. Uh, look at the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter one. It, it talked about Jesus, uh, the Son of God, died to deliver us from this present evil age. Yeah, okay? that's another big claim. That's another big. You know, I mean, it opens our eyes up to the scope of the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, when he talks about delivering us from this present evil age, well, it's a whole lot of stuff that's included in this present evil age. That's right. That's right. Like racism, misogyny, classism, consumerism, all this kind of stuff. That That's all included in this present evil age. That's all stuff that ain't going to glory with us, right? And if it's included in this present evil age, it's telling us that Jesus died to save us from that. So yeah. those things are, are, are within the gospel purview, right? Those things are within the scope of the gospel. And when we, when we talk to people who are, who are complicit in those things, and when we talk to people who are victims of those things, we have to tell them that the gospel has something to say to those things. Yeah, that Jesus right. came to deliver us from that. That's right. Um, and we've got to say that clearly. Right. So Yeah. And so I I think just right on the backs of that, like some of the some of the problem is that justice as a word, right? Even defining the word justice, things like that have been hijacked by the world, right? When we think of justice, uh, we think of our our uh justice system here in America, our criminal system, things like that. Right. Uh or when we think of reconciliation or redemption or suffering or forgiveness, right? We have a, we have a, uh, you know, here and now kind of understanding of those words mm-hmm. and they've, tr- and they've transformed over time. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we have this kind of not only uh, human nature on these words, but a, but an American nature <laughs> on these words, but all of these words are first and foremost biblical in nature, Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. but they've been tainted by how we've how we view them in our world and how we see things. So, how do we take back some of these words from a worldly perspective and put them back into their place uh, in a biblical perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so here's the thing. Um, you know, um, the Bible. So justice is something. You know, there are people that, that say things like, "Well, look, if we could just get a good definition of justice." Yeah. Magically, everything is going to be all right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't believe that. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know justice is one. Justice is one of those things that, like, um, it's like gravity. You know, it's kind of like, look, you know, if, if no, if you never understood the, you know, uh, the, you know, if you, if you never knew what gravity was, you would still experience it. You right. know, if you never read about it in a book. Uh, the moment you step out of a plane, you will experience what gravity is, right? Yeah, yeah, justice yeah. is like that, right? When it, when the, when we when we experience the absence of justice, we know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. When we experience the absence, look. If you don't believe me, go to a go to a preschool class and tell mm-hmm. one half of the preschoolers you get lollipops today. And then tell the other half, sorry, y'all don't get nothing, you know? And watch what happens, okay? Yeah. <laughs> watch kids, you know. I mean, hey, you know, you're talking, you're talking about these, these beautiful, wonderful daughters. I got two daughters. Let me tell you something. My daughters, when they deal with each other, they recognize 
the absence of justice when it occurs, right? Mm-hmm. If, one, if, if, one, if one daughter takes something more than the other daughter has, you know, uh, hey, they, they, we, we're going to have a, uh, there's going to be, um, you know, a mini trial. You know, there's going to be a plaintiff. There's going to be an accusation. There's going to be a whole situation in my house if there's an absence of justice between these kids because justice is something that ju- justice and injustice is something that we uh, we can recognize it at least relatively, you know. And you know, and it's interesting. You don't even have to be a Christian to know injustice, right? You can, yeah, yeah. Um, these these are things that are that we can recognize because we are made in the image of God, right? Um, what the Lord does for us as Christians and and and, and in His special revelation. Uh, through the scriptures and in Christ and in the gospel is he opens our eyes to the fullness of justice. He lets us know the depth of what, of the, you know, the sort of the depth of justice and the height of justice. Okay. And he does that by giving us what we might call an eschatological vision. He lets us, he let the eschatological, eschaton meaning the end things, the last things, right? Mm -hmm. What what God does for us. And you look, you, you can check out, uh, you can check out the, the prophets, you know, you can check out, um, uh, you know, shoot, uh, Isaiah, you know, you can check out Isaiah chapter two, you know, you, yeah. uh, you can just, you know, I mean, it's, it's, this is all over the place, you know, I mean, this is yeah, all over yeah, scripture, yeah, but, yeah. but, but, but some passages in particular, I, I just mentioned Isaiah chapter two, that's a passage that actually talks about the, the, the end times. It talks about, the, the mountain of the Lord being exalted above all the mountains and people, all the nations streaming up into the mountain of the Lord and, and the Lord judging between the nations. Yeah, right? yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. it talks about, you know, people, you know, uh, beating their, you know, swords in the plowshares and their, their spears and the pruning hooks, you know? And uh, yeah. so, so what this is doing is this actually uh, is painting a picture of what justice looks like for people who have only known injustice in their life, people who've only known sort of relative justice. This is saying, you know what, instead of giving you a definition, let me give you a picture. You know, what would look, think about what life would be like, like this, you know, and then people look at that and they're like, Oh my goodness, you know, sort of expands our imagination to see what God's intention truly is. You know, now Jesus in his coming, in his incarnation, and in his resurrection, also revealed to us uh, justice, right? In, yeah, in, in his right. incarnation, right. nobody, yeah. look, nobody thought that God was going to associate himself with the poor. Right. right? But yeah. that's exactly what he did. That when, <laughs> when yeah. he came, yeah. Yeah. he came yeah. among the poor. He came yeah. among the oppressed. He came among the marginalized, right? And, and, yeah. he, and he announced his gospel mission that way. That's right. right. Uh, the spirit is a, of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach good news to the wealthy, to the middle class? No, to the poor. Right. So here's yeah. the Messiah yeah. announcing himself that way. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, he's even anointed as king in his baptism by John the Baptist out there in the middle of the wilderness, not in the centers of power, not in Rome, not in Jerusalem, but out in the middle of the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere, 
okay, with all the nobodies and all the regular, you know, the rabble, you know. So, and here's a man, and he comes amongst the poor. He comes amongst that, that the, the outcasts and the downtrodden and the, the prostitutes and the, you know, the, the just the rabble, the lepers and the people that just nobody would ever expect God to be among those people. So he comes among those people and in doing all those, all those things and, and restoring them and blessing them. And, and when he does, p- placing them to a, p- a position of social equity, he's doing it to show what justice looks like, to show what, um, what God's intention happens to be for the flourishing of, of all people, you know, yeah. and, yeah. Um, and he's expanding our imagination, you yeah. know, for people who have never known a society like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's showing us, this is what, this is what, um, my intention is, you know, for people who never knew a king like that, you know, people who lived under monarchies where, where their, their leaders were selfish, their leaders were unrighteous and unjust. He comes as a king that judges righteously and justly. And, and, you know, you think about the kind of vision that Isaiah sets before the people in Isaiah chapter nine, you know, he's talking about a king that will judge that way. And I mean, that was, that was, that was good news to people who were always, used to getting injustice. That's right. That's good. So, so he sets a picture before us. And I think it's important that we set a picture before other people and God's intention for the church Mm. is that the church be a picture to the society of the, of, of just relationships. Mm. That's what we're supposed to be. That's right. That's why it is so crucially important for us to talk about, for us to get this right in the church. Because how else are we going to be salt and light about God's intention on, for, for, our, for our relationships if we marginalize one another? Mm. And, and if the same people who are on top in the world are on top in the church, then there's no way that we could be salt and light. Because mm. right? mm. we look just like them. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Micah, that was, that was so rich. Like, even the ways that you teased out the way that the church needs to to model what it looks like to to give justice and mercy the way that Christ extends that to people who say yes to him. Um, in that, one of the things that you talked about was like, man, yeah, the church needs to uh, be a salt and a light. And so how do you think that the church can actually develop an ethos of justice in 2021? Mm. Well, I think we have, okay, if you, okay, that's, man, huge. that's a huge question and a great question and exactly the right question. Okay, so what do we do? Um, I think one thing we have to do is we have to um, we have to we have to dig into the scriptures to see what the Lord has to say. Can we? We can't just go out here on our own and think that we know what to do. You know, right, we got to right. go back to the master and ask him, Lord, give us some. Tell us what to do, Lord. You know, uh, what does this look like, Lord? Uh, <laughs> we got to get on our knees before Jesus first. You know, we need to yeah. pray. We need to search the scriptures. Here's one thing we need to be doing. We need to be listening to one another, especially the most marginalized among us. Come on. Yeah. That's one thing that we need to do. Okay. We need to find the most marginalized people in the church and we need to say, please teach us what you are experiencing. Right. And the scriptures give us, the scriptures tell us to weep with those who weep. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? That means we have to have empathy for those who are suffering. Yeah, to the yeah. point in which we actually cry tears with them. It's one thing to just kind of pity somebody and to kind of put them at a distance and say, well, you know, 
you know, they're, they're going to be my project, you know, but, but yeah. another thing to actually take that person's burdens upon yourself to the point when you, at which you cry tears. That's right. Know? And That's the Bible right. is telling us to do that. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we've got to find the people in our midst that are weeping, right? The people who are crushed, the people mm. who are downtrodden, the people who are, on the bottom, it's amazing because when Jesus, when when the good news came to um, to Mary, who was this peasant, uh, marginalized minority woman uh, at the bottom of the, of the social ladder, right? She saw it as good news that would take somebody from the bottom and put them on the top. Right. Okay? That's how she understood the gospel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus talks about the, the when he does the beatitudes, you know. You see, you see a lot of those things from the Magnificat come out in, in, in the way he understands that is he understands the kingdom as well. So we've got to find the people who are on the bottom and we've got to find a way to elevate them. We've got to find a way to, to bless them. We've got to find a way to empathize and, and lift them up. And we have to t- we have to show people that this is a kingdom. This is a kingdom reversal. You know, yeah, this, is a kingdom, yeah. this is kingdom activity when we do that. OK, yeah. so that's, that's one thing that we, we have to do. Otherwise, we will only perpetuate the societal order if we That's don't right. find the marginalized. And add. this is part of why, you know, honestly, um, this is part of why, um, you know, Koinonia, the church I pastor, I really want, I wanted a, uh, a, a qualified, godly, credentialed black woman mm. as our director of ministries. Yeah. 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 You know, and I, and I make no apologies about that. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I mean, really, I, I, I did. And, and part of the reason is because black women are at black women are 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 are, are the are double marginalized in society. Everywhere yeah. black, if we can if black men are catching it, black women are catching the double. Right? Wow. wow. Yeah. And so what I so what we needed was we needed people to see a black woman operating in authority in the life of the church. That's so good. That's really so that good. That, so that that vision can be normalized. So so that that can, so that that can shape them, shape their expectations, shape uh, shape who they who they can listen to, shape who they believe have has wisdom and dignity and worth. Yeah. Right? yeah. They need yeah. they need to see that. Our next generation needs to see that. We need to see that. Yeah. Right? We need to experience yeah. that. That's 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 shaping us. And, and, you know, I mean, God, God put us in the community to shape us, to, to, to change us, to mold us. And, and what we see in the community, it shapes us, it changes, it molds us it, it, yeah. in, in certain ways. So, right. so, you know, uh, so those are some things we need to do as well in order to be just, we need to be yeah. really intentional about listening to those who are marginalized, elevating them into positions of authority um, and, 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 and acknowledging that, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. We don't, perpetuate the systems of the world. So that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's one thing. That's, that's some stuff we can do in house. Yeah. That's really good. Micah. Yeah. That's, this was amazing, man. Um, I want to, I want to respect your time, man. This is, this has been such uh, good stuff for us, man. Um, I mean, I feel like I said that to every episode mm-hmm. now, but like, I'm going to have to be <laughs> listening to this stuff again yeah. and again and again, man. There's so much rich stuff here. Uh, man, what an episode, Micah. There was uh, just a ton 
that you said here that I think mm-hmm. is going to be super beneficial for a lot of our listeners. I, I know it was really beneficial for me, mm-hmm. uh, and we really appreciate appreciate your time, Micah. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Micah. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. So, look, thank you guys for tuning in to the Ambassador Podcast. Tracy and Micah, y'all have been uh, amazing. I'm looking forward to discussing more topics in the coming weeks. We hope for you listeners that this has been a helpful resource, and we encourage you to visit our website at www.weareambassador.com, where we will be uploading a consistent stream of resources for you to dive into. If you have any questions or concerns, sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive frequent updates and an opportunity to send in questions or pursue conversations with us. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to the Ambassador Podcast. If you would like to hear more episodes or get more information about the Ambassador, please check out our website at www.weareambassador.com.